Welcome to the Ether. Today is Friday, July 29th, 2022. Today on the Ether, PageDAO and Sitka World NFT and NFT Smart present Pass the Pen. Let's take a listen. Of, um, you know, time and, and creativity and, and, and work and, and I'm sure love and blood and sweat and tears that's gone into you know, over the last decade into, into the Sitka world, um, world, <laughs> uh, is just, you know, I- incredible to, to have that, um, you know, be able to kind of join up and us to be able to have some sort of little effect add to that, uh, already really amazing developed, uh, storyline. And so I think what we're gonna wind up doing and not necessarily right at this moment, but I think we're going to get a read through, um of the white paper which is not super long but it gives like a little background um and and a, and a little bit out of the story um so i think that's going to be a really great way to just sort of get us in the mood and and set us up for a for a great start to to this past the pen session which will run for at least the next few weeks um but of course as we generally do at the start of the show if uh you know dylan often you have cool updates about what's been happening kind of behind the scenes and with the tech and stuff. And uh, we had such a phenomenal page day yesterday. That was really fun. Um, I think we need to do more often just to, you know, and we don't even need to necessarily call them a poetry slam cipher or not, but I think we just need to get more people that, um, you know, would like to, to recite some poetry to come over to the ciphers and we can, we can do special poetry ones and we can just have that as like an open invitation anytime to just like, oh yeah, let's, let's turn off the beats for a little bit and let someone read some poetry or just do some spoken word over the music. So I thought that was a lot of fun yesterday. Oh and, man, uh, so much. It was incredible. Well, man, thank you so much for saying that. That makes me feel so good to hear that people like my work, you know, and I've, you know, put together something to, to read to people. And, you know, that was, that was kind of unusual for me. I don't, I don't typically like prepare remarks, you know, <laughs> to come talk to people. Um, but, you know, there, there's a, uh, there's a very tangible benefit to preparing something in advance, which is that I don't stammer and stutter my way through whatever it is that I'm saying, which I'm trying to start working on a little bit just to make it smoother, I guess. I, I spend a lot of time talking to people in various different remote technological ways. And so, uh, so anyway, I, I think that that's maybe a thing that I'll start, you know, kind of doing just in general. Um, and so that's kind of like a personal update. I had a fucking blast yesterday too at the you know party that we had. Um, I thought it was really amazing to to see uh, what what Kinshasa has been working on, and uh, you yeah. know, I'm really just a, an amazing thing that's happening there. I'm already seeing ways that we can like you know kind of work with that as page with, 
Right. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Cause I hadn't put that together till yesterday really too. Uh, cause you know, I've known a, a, about the, the idiot box for a while. Um, and I've seen you know, like a couple it kind of be, you know, go through a few iterations. Although now it's really, you know, the first time they're actually putting physical ones together, which is, makes it just, you know, seem that much more like real. Um, but yeah, yesterday just having page out at the cipher and then talking about that, I was like, Oh, wait a minute. Like, and it didn't even hit me till like after I was like, Oh, to have that be able it's to wild also the way that works, isn't it? It's like, you know, like, uh, <laughs> you can tell that like, the ideas aren't coming from anyone's individual brain because, you know, we would know about them already if it was like that, you know, <laughs> but like you put us yeah. all together and just shit happens and it's fucking crazy. Totally. Love it. Like, and, and so, man, um, two questions for you on the cypher front before we kind of dive in. One, um, the audio is recorded from these sessions, right? Like, where can I get at that? I want to end up. Yes. Yeah, go for well, it. Well, for first question, yes, they are recorded. Um, and I was going to, I was just, just before the show, I saw, uh, you know, uh, over in, I think, Page Dow, um, you mentioning about wanting to grab that reading. Uh, so uh, right after this, and I'm going to make a note, I'm going to grab the link from yesterday's recording because we have the bots that record them. Uh, and then, but I think you have to grab it and download it like within 24 hours because they don't just, the bots don't like keep that up up there forever so i'll definitely grab that and and share that link with you uh soon so we can get that recording too oh dude epic man thank you so much uh yeah so so one thing i'm thinking about is is you know releasing that as like an additional drop to the people that got the uh you know the first 500 um and so there is still a poap.fun slash 1706 is the raffle if anybody was in the event yesterday and got a poap um, you can go join the raffle, and basically the way it works is um, there are 60 NFTs uh, that are available to be won as prizes. When the raffle actually starts in a few days, it's going to draw people's names. If there are more than 60, then not everybody's going to get one. Uh, I think there were 130 or 140 people at the Cypher last night, so there should be enough uh, you know, people to claim them all. Um, but if not, you know, we'll come up with an additional, we kind of like drop those out and stuff. So, so there's just, you know, there, there's actual shit happening here. And, and then, so, so the second question that I had for you easy was, um, you know, with regards to these additional cypher events, if, if maybe uh Friday afternoons or something like we could, uh, I, I don't know, we should probably talk off the air about that a little bit, but. But we, we could probably yeah. work something in on Friday and, you know, maybe do it biweekly or something. And just, you know, like, like back in the day before Pass the Pin, what this show was about uh, was getting paged out authors up on the stage to present their work uh, to each other and to the live token smart audience here. Um, and, and, you know, I, I just I feel like we got away from that because we got out of the publishing business to some extent. But now we're kind of back and we have this open source tool and we have all these amazing authors and, and all we do is sit around and talk about technology all the time. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty bad when our uh, top technology uh, guru, Robbie, um, is also kind of like starting to, uh, you know, run the marketing for us on like Twitter spaces and stuff. Um, so it's, it's just uh, it's really interesting to me to think about maybe branching back out and, 
you know, pop in a second, uh, you know, kind of like maybe a paged out showcase type of, uh, yeah. type of, maybe it could be once or twice a month. We could have, uh, I mean, obviously all the cypher people are poets, man. Like we can invite right. the crew and, and everybody can come and we can use the cypher tech and we can put the paged out books on, you know, display right there next to the NFT art and, and the, you know, the hip hop and then the music and the, the poetry that comes along with that, you know? That is, I love that idea because yeah, we, it's just funny because as things grow and develop and change, like we, we kind of developed into this past the pen that was, you know, always kind of something we wanted to do was the collaborative writing and weren't sure on the forum. And we had talked about, I think it sprang out of basically uh, the multi-author uh, choose your own adventure idea that we had all the way back on the scent podcast kind of stuff is, is now, you know, become this, but you're right. We, yeah, we used to have, you know, the, the show did kind of start as, um, you know, a, a spot to share, to do some readings, to talk with the authors and just kind of, you know, collab it up. Um, so I think that's a great idea to have, you know, at least a monthly um, show where people can come, you know, share poetry, but also have like a, you know, we could have an author or two that are, are, you know, scheduled to come and talk about their, their, their release or what they're working on or something. And then also have some kind of spontaneous ciphery poetry uh, segment too. So I think that's a great idea. And we can, Dude. we can figure it out, uh, you know, scheduling and day and stuff like that off air, but I'm glad you, you brought it up. So great, great couple questions. Um, Let's see. Beaver. Oh, how you doing? Hey there, doing well. Got both me and my partner Ray on the mic here. So. All right. Hey Ray, great hey, to have you here. Hey. Yeah, we're so grateful for the opportunity to be here and super looking forward to having fun with everyone here. So. Awesome. Let me grab the um, white paper link here. And uh, we'll actually first, and, and I'll grab that and drop it so people can have that on hand, give a quick look at it, kind of give you a little bit of a background, it might help, uh, you know, just kind of guide where, um, you know, the ideas for today come from. But I, I would love to just hear a little bit of background um, from yourself or from Ray um, about kind of how this all came together, and then we can we can get creative together. Awesome. Um, I just dropped the link in, in the live chat too. So right. it's there. And, and just to clarify, we aren't going to read through the whole white paper, just the uh, part about the story. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Certainly people are free to check out. We'd love for you to check out the rest of the white paper if you want, but we're going to look at just the, the setting of the scene and the main characters for the story, which is what will be you know relevant for today. But as for kind of the background of what this is all about, um, Ray could share a little bit more about the story while she'll read through the story, but She's working on a trilogy for over 10 years. It's like a real fantasy world, right? And I've been helping to bring this to life in Web3 because I have a lot of experience with different Web3 groups and NFTs. And we're like, hey, let's join forces and make something really cool. So our initial goal was just to be able to publish a story in the blockchain. That's why we're um, in cahoots with groups like PageDAO and uh, looking for ways to actually bring the story onto the blockchain and building a sort of, you know, launch for NFTs and PFPs and uh, we're looking into gaming integrations, metaverse stuff, and, you know, a lot of ways to just make a kind of immersive gamified place for fantasy nerds to geek out over the story. So that's one part of it. The other main big picture part of our project is building a community for other creative writers. So we're really focusing our community and utility on 
workshops, networking, training. We're building out an online course for writers. We're building out a guild of scribes with the aim to help writers get paid writing work in Web3 because we see that a lot of Web3 projects don't have very good storytelling, at least not yet. A lot of them have a lot of potential. They have cool artwork or in great communities, but a lot of them haven't really invested much in creating a story world for to give more meaning and engagement to everything. So we want to help help do that with our guild of scribes. So Awesome. Um, our, our motto or slogan is bringing the magic of storytelling to web three. So. Nice. Love it. Love it. Absolutely. Such good, you know, just it, it, it this has been uh, uh, in the works for a while. And it feels like a long time coming and just the perfect melding of, uh, you know, communities, ideas, ethos, project. Uh, I just love it. So um, would love to have uh, Ray give us, you know, maybe a little uh, before we do the story read, just a little background of the inspiration, kind of where the idea came from or any anything you want to share about kind of the journey, um, Ray. For sure. So this is a story, well, like Stephen said, has been in the works for over 10 years. So uh, we live way in the far north of Minnesota, kind of near the wilderness in Lake Superior, which is an absolutely beautiful, wild sort of place. So I've always wanted to write a story, um, a fantasy story set here. And a, the character started to come to me, but it took a long while to get the plot down. Um, and that the kind of the theme of bringing out the magic within you comes from some things that I've experienced in my own life. So I, um, when I was in college, actually got involved in what was unfortunately basically a cult um, where I felt like um, there was just like a lot of rules about who you could and couldn't be about, you know, things about you that were acceptable or not acceptable. And it just felt like not like nobody was able to be themselves. And then when I studied abroad, I took a class called the psychology of evil which is basically about how good people become bad and about how extreme movements happen. And that just launched a huge fascination with kind of all this idea of like in-groups and out-groups and how do people conform and how does that even start? And coming to realize that a lot of it starts on the individual level. And a lot of us have things, amazing things about us that we feel like society says is not okay. So we hide those parts of ourselves. But when we do that, um, we just sacrifice a lot of our own magic and the world is better when we're able to be ourselves and to bring that out. So that's kind of where that started. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. I think it's really great to have those little little bits of deeper insight um, into kind of how things how things happen. So that's that's really fascinating. Actually, the uh, the course you took sounds super interesting. And I'm glad you uh, slid out of the cult. Oh, for sure. Be here with us today. <laughs> my own thing now. <laughs> now we're just forming our own cult. Should we uh, maybe have people, if they want to click the link for the doc, which is uh, just a few messages up. Um, I can drop it again right at the, at the bottom of the chat here. And uh, we can get a little bit of the read kind of of the, of the uh, story story part. It's in the background there. Okay, yeah, I'll just start reading from this section. So, the Sikh Saga is the upcoming trilogy at the heart of this whole project. 
Ray, me, has been working on crafting the story and characters for over a decade. Um, I hope it'll be one of the best stories that you've read in your life. Um, it certainly means a lot to me. Um, it deals with many of the classic themes of literature, love and revenge, adventure and personal growth, intrigue and revolution, but also some you may not have found as often in fiction, such as the psychology of evil, the rise of autocrats, and the personal magic within you. It has some of the fantasy elements you are used to, swords and jewelry, horses and mountains, yet with a more earthy northern take. Instead of knights, you'll find pagan priestesses. Instead of open fields, you'll find intricate boreal forest and lakes. Instead of dragons, you'll find wolves and sled dogs. The world of Runesala, where much but not all of the book takes place, has a limited magic system, with some individuals able to perform a certain type of magic in a specific realm. For example, some people are magic healers, some can tell the future, etc., but nobody is all-powerful. The North is very open and accepting of magic and has a more pagan-like culture, while the Southern province is very against it, seeing it as a threat to their power and against their beliefs. Rune witches have the ability to siphon magic from others, which becomes an important plot point throughout the series. Below, we'll introduce two main characters. The Sitka Saga is written in first person with a dual point of view, as well as some of the rest of the ensemble. All right. Sitka Frost. Okay. <laughs> Can everyone hear me okay, first of all? Just want to make sure oh, it's yeah. side by side. Okay. Perfect. All right. Sitka Frost is not one to settle. It has been 12 years since the fever ravaged Runsala's northern territories and left Sitka's small mountain village reeling in its wake. Hope for a better future is available, but only across the border at the prestigious Serona Academy, which no northerner has been allowed to attend for over a hundred years. After years of pleading, Sitka becomes the first northerner in a century accepted to study the healing arts. But in order to stay, she must prove herself to the circle of elite nobles who control the southern province. On an ambitious mission to bring justice to the north while concealing peculiar budding talents, Sitka's dreams of impressing the nobles are thrust aside when she becomes a suspect in a mysterious accident. Suddenly, she finds herself the subject of a scrutiny that could jeopardize not only her hidden powers, but the future of her people. 19-year-old Tanya Kedrov wanted nothing more than to be accepted to a prestigious university and leave her lackluster life behind. Fueled by an obsession with the disappearances in her hometown, Tanya sets out to find a connection among Iron County's history of disappearances in the hopes that her research will secure her a better future. Her research leads her to a secret hidden deep in the deep of Minnesota's wilderness, a secret no one else will believe. And when Tanya encounters the charismatic Sitka Frost, she finds herself caught between two worlds and in a thick web of ties that binds them together. Okay. Wow. Book one, summary. I Am the North is a double point of view fantasy novel following the main character Sitka Frost and Tanya Kedrov taking place mostly in the fantasy world of Runsala, but partly in our world in various time periods. Sitka, 20, is from the territories of Runsala, a mountainous region that has been oppressed by the southern province. The southern province is wealthy and well-connected, but heavily influenced by their fundamentalist religion, which in recent years has been trending toward a full authoritarian theocracy. This accelerates when a man claiming to be a prophet arrives from a nearby island. 
When Sitka is accepted to study to be a healer at the prestigious Serona Academy in the southern province, she is the first northerner to do so in a century. She is haunted by the memory of a fever that swept through the northern territories when she was a child, killing many people in her village. Sitka hopes that by studying the healing arts, she will help prevent her community from falling into similar threats in the future. Tanya is a student living in Wild Rose, Minnesota, a small town on Lake Superior. While working at a local bar one evening, a man with a strange accent appears, setting into motion an odd series of events, a heist that will change her life forever. So the world has a limited magic system, with magic proliferating in the Northern Territories. Magic, however, is against the Southern Province's religion, and practitioners are punished by forced labor or death. Numerous uprisings have started as an attempt for the Northern Territories to gain independence, but all of them have failed. Due to the highly individualized nature of the magic, those with it only have one very limited and highly specialized skill. Magic is not a substitute for weaponry or a means of warfare. Uniting all of the people with magic would take an amazing amount of organization among the loosely connected territories, a feat that nobody has been able to accomplish so far. One of the greatest threats to magic practitioners are rune witches, a very rare type of practitioner that has the ability to siphon magic from others. They are often paid large sums of money to do so and can carve out a nice living from this work, though this comes with the reality of being some of the most hated individuals in all of Runesala. Runesala is a pre-industrial revolution world, though some industrial revolution technology begins to make some small appearances, much to the puzzlement of its inhabitants. Where is it coming from? So the regions, Runesala is the name for the whole fantasy world. Um, so that includes the main landmass and the neighboring islands. Runesala is surrounded by a pristine freshwater sea, implying that there is more to the world than meets the eye. There are rumors in Runesala about portals to outside worlds. In their mythology, our Earth is referred to as the other world. So the Northern Territories are a, seri a series of loosely affiliated territories located north of the border with the Southern Province, a harsh and mountainous region navigated by dog sleds in the long winters. Buildings here are largely made of logs. It comes from Elm Territory, which is situated between the border to the south and the Aurora Mountain Range to the north. The territories south of the Aurora Range have been annexed by the province and are subject to exorbitant taxes. Currently, the Northern Territories are egalitarian and open to magic. Towns are democratically run, and spirituality is nature-based but not centrally organized. People are hardworking, as you have to be to survive in such a harsh landscape with few resources. Clothes are simple and warm with lots of wools. The southern province is the wealthy and well-organized province, which is subdivided into counties. They see themselves as synonymous with Runesala, though obviously the territories would say otherwise. The province is covered with thick boreal forest and lots of lakes, but no mountains. The province is run by an oligarchy of noble families and is heavily influenced by religion. Life is more prosperous here, and it shows. Streets are paved, buildings are larger, and sometimes constructed with stone, and clothing is made of fine and rich fabrics. Grath is the capital city, located on the very southern shore and home to the temple and most of the noble families, chief of which is the Wildwood family. Sorona County, home to the academy, is in the northern part of the province. Culturally, people from the southern province value tradition and obedience to authority. Money is power, and those families with power do everything they can to keep that power within their families. 
The Rocky Islands is a series of islands off the coast that also came under the control of the province, the closest of which is home to a monastery. Then we have Wild Rose, North Shore of Minnesota. This is a small town located on the rocky shores of Lake Superior near the Boundary Waters Wilderness, not far from the Canadian border. The closest larger city is Duluth. It's a close-knit and quiet town. Wild Rose is located within Iron County, a county that has been home to numerous strange disappearances throughout the years. Tanya lives there and works at a creepy old bar and supper club known as the Happy Beaver, where older folks tell her tales of the past. The Icicle Trail is a dead-end road that leads into the wilderness and is dotted by abandoned mine sites from the region's past. All right, and uh, I've been nominated to read the character introductions. So this is just very brief summaries of some of the main characters from book one, uh, some of which will be making an appearance in our story. We'll be creating a, kind of a whole new little story arc for the short story with uh, Pass the Pen. Awesome. But uh, Elon is a professor of Northern folklore at the Academy and a friend of Sitka's. Reserved and intelligent, he has the power to sense magic in others and realizes that something nefarious is brewing in the southern province. Basil is the high priest of the temple, a prominent member of the nobility and one overseeing the temple's continuous rise to power. He arrives at the academy to oversee operations when he hears that a northerner has been accepted to study. Thatcher is the son of the royal family who has been called to the academy to teach a new course, weaponry and fighting, which is now required for all students. Secretive and stoic, there are fears that he wishes to turn the school into a military academy to fight the northern territories. River is the rebellious son of one of the noble families of Runsula. He seems to be suspicious of leadership despite growing up in Runsula's inner circles. Raven is one of the older students at the academy who takes on a leadership role for the younger students. Perceptive and fearless, she takes an interest in Sitka and tries to recruit her to join her group of friends. Mika is son of a noble family who owns the academy. At first shy and awkward, he becomes suspicious of Sitka and tries to uncover what she is up to. Willow is a daughter of one of the noble families. She is supportive of the new militaristic endeavors at the school. Forced to room with Sitka, she finds herself clashing with her roommates and joins Mika in growing suspicion of her. Professor Thistle is the senior most professor of healing arts at Serona Academy. She takes an interest in Sitka and helps her hone her healing skills. Kai is a fun and outgoing student in Sika's class who has an aptitude for crafting effective medications. Maya is Kai's twin and an early friend to Sika when other students are being hostile to northerners. She seems to have a peculiar talent for growing and knowledge of plants. Hans is an old friend of Elon's. After a falling out, he and Elon parted ways and he went to join a monastery on an island in the Southern Sea. The monastery burned down, killing all of its residents, and nobody has heard from Hans since. That is, until Elon thinks he sees him just before the term starts. Skye is the priestess of Elm territory and Sitka's aunt. Skye is extremely critical of the southern province and is fearful of Sitka traveling there to attend school. Leaf, who is a special character, as he is the only character based on a real living being, Leaf is Sitka's retired slud dog who lives in the house with her family. He's an Alaskan husky who loves nothing more than curling up by the fire and following Sitka around the house. That is based on our dog. Mm -hmm. And then a few Wild Rose Minnesota characters. 
Callum is Tanya's arch nemesis who shows up back in her hometown with an interest in Tanya's research just as things start to get strange. Isla is a longtime family friend of Tanya's who frequents the bar Tanya works at. She seems to know more about the history of Tanya's town than she lets on. And Ingrid is Tanya's friend and roommate in Minnesota. Ingrid was the last one to see Tanya before exploring the abandoned mine. And all this is just the start of the first book. In the full saga, you'll find time travel, characters entering and leaving for her own real world, betrayal, corrupting power, manipulation, fascism, crime syndicates, cross-dimensional black markets, revolution, war, magic, and much more. And wow. And previews can be found in the story and characters channel of our Discord and the interactive entry portal. So... There we you do have. love some portals over here at Pass the Pen. There's been uh, quite a bit of um, kind of world trans. Let's see, how would I explain? Yeah, there's been just like we've had we've had many a portal. Um, either uh, you know, I think uh, in Bitlectro we had a, a group of of like teenagers, a little band get get sucked into a video game and eventually portal out. And then with Fly Frogs, there was actually a connection to that through kind of the the you know regiverse real world um there was a portal where fly frogs kind of went through a bunch of different metaverses and stuff and then actually yeah, also that. hit the real world too so man so much to to go with uh, amazing characters like developed already um i know with having so much developed we you know we got to have a, at least a, a a quick call the other day and you know so that we don't kind of you know wind up rewriting uh, something that's already kind of been established uh, that you guys were going to have a little bit of kind of a, a possible plan for some of the story arc here. Um, so we'd love to hear anything about that and just to start getting people here in the crowd um, thinking about, you know, some of the themes that we've talked about and whatnot. Um, and then, of course, anybody that wants to, uh, you know, jump up on stage, uh, we really encourage uh, everybody to, to join in in whatever way they're comfortable, whether that's dropping, uh, you know, ideas in chat or just coming up on stage and, and, and speaking those ideas and sort of, you know, um, bouncing it off each other and, and vibing. So I uh, just wanted to get that out there. But, yeah, um, what was, you know, any any kind of um, idea of where we might start and and where this this little kind of side story adventure um, can fit in? For sure. Yeah, I think Ray will fill us in on kind of the setting for what we're thinking for this story. I think, yeah, I'd encourage people to just keep this, you know, page about the story, um, the Sitka Saga white paper page, you know, just keep it up to other reference and, yep. and and understand the world. But we definitely, you know, we're, we don't want this to be like, this isn't set in stone for what we're creating for Pass the Pen. Like for Pass the Pen, we still want this to be you know, creative, we can go whatever direction people want, but at least it should be somewhat consistent with the world. Like there probably wouldn't be a quantum AI computer in Runesla, <laughs> you know, but uh, it's at least you can kind of understand where we're at, but also feel free, of course, anyone that's contributing the story to bring in your own new characters, bring in your own new ideas. Um, I think we will be starting with Raven as one of the main characters, but I'll let Ray kind of explain what she was thinking for the, the premise for this. Cool. Yeah, so for a prompt I was thinking we could use today, we will be starting with the character of Raven, and we can start 
before the Sitka saga um, takes place. So Raven is living in Graf, which is the capital city in the province. Um, she's living with her parents, which are devout um, attendees of the temple. And they hate magic because they think it's against their religion. But Raven starts to sense that she has some magic. And unfortunately, her parents come across this and confront her about it. So Raven, one night, decides that rather than face the wrath of her parents, she will run away. Ooh, I like it. Um, my pen just died, and I always like to keep kind of ideas and notes. So I'm just grabbing a new pen here so I can be proficient with the ideas. But that's that sounds like a great uh, little little prompt to kind of get our, our creative juices flowing. But uh, So this would be pre um, – basically – very early part of the story or or segment or or a kind of little window uh into kind of some of raven's uh struggles from the time when she starts feeling like you know she's she has some type of magic or she's connecting to that of course her family is completely against that and so that that lends some some uh uh you know some interesting fuel for for uh you know getting getting some some juicy drama in here um, but yeah, I, I like that idea. Um, just while you were reading, um, you know, I was jotting down a few things. Let's see. I had an idea a couple pages back here. Um, maybe working in some kind of, um, like, uh, a little cautionary tale about the rune witches and that danger. Um, that just seems like such an interesting part of this to have. I love the way magic is, is not just like, you know, completely kind of willy nilly, like, you know, world full of magic. Cool. But if, you know, uh, a large part of the population can can perform all sorts of magic. It's kind of like there's just you know it's it's almost too uh, too open, too wild. So I like having uh, that there's magic in the world, but it's kind of more subtle. Or there, you know, how you have it. So you would have a. a someone would have a specific type of magic that they could kind of develop and use. Uh, but I, I thought it was really interesting to have um, the rune witches, which their, you know, magic talent is basically to siphon off other people's magic. So that was just a really interesting, I think a, a super interesting part um, of, of the, the characters and, and that part of the magic. Um, so maybe, you know, mixing in a rune, a rune witch somewhere along the tail, um, if she's, uh, you know, kind of running away kind of thing, maybe she, you know, falls in with, uh, uh, a, a group of people where maybe there's, you know, some, some friendlies, but, uh, maybe there's a rune, which kind of in the mix, um, uh, unbeknownst to, to other sort of a, a, a spy or something that, that could wind up kind of like siphoning off some, some of her developing magic or something. I'm, I'm, I'm up for anything and definitely again, want to let people know, raise your hand or tag uh, myself or Dylan over in the chat to jump up on stage and just, you know, um, throw out some ideas. Yeah, we had a question from Dylan just to maybe describe a little bit more about what Raven is like and um, her personality and stuff. So, Ray, do you want to fill in a little more about the character? It might spark more ideas for people, too. Yeah, as a character, she's very independent and capable. So she is strong-willed and 
decides that she's not, you know, she's not the type of person who will just listen to her parents and go along with whatever they say. Um, but this aspect of having magic is pretty new to her. So this is something that she is going to be learning the ropes on and trying to figure out throughout this story. Awesome. And so in the South, in uh, I believe it's the capital, yeah, Grath, the capital, um, magic is very frowned upon. Um, is there... Uh, maybe like some sort of kind of underground uh, movement where she might be able to uh, find within the city some kind of connection that, that might send her kind of on her way. Uh, I don't know how, you know, how um, far we take this. I would think kind of if she's, you know, uh, the strong-willed independent character and she's starting to sense you know, this, that, that sh she may have some magic and also has, you know, a big uh, curiosity about it and, you know, is um, strong enough in her own will to go against, you know, her parents and the whole basically, you know, society of the capital city um, and go start looking into this. Uh, it might be cool to have, you know, some kind of little underground magic, um, meetup spot or something like that where you know obviously it, it probably wouldn't be uh you know publicly um you know uh advertised but through you know making some connections and relationships you might be able to find where maybe some people that are uh pro magic or interested in finding more about it have some kind of meetup and maybe that's where she could kind of you know find her way there to start this 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 journey into like accepting her own magic as well as is learning kind of you know more about it yeah i think what comes to my mind is something like harry potter like with a you're a wizard harry moment or something right because i think she's <laughs> expecting she has magic but she she is still foreign to her she grew up without it so she needs to maybe meet with someone or some group that that helps her realize who she is and then and then there has to be some impetus for her to leave like why does she start running away maybe right. that's very and are there any of the other characters that we had uh, gone over briefly um, in that capital city that might be, um, you know, good to good to have a, a connection with there was, uh, you know, maybe uh, now was Tanya the bartender? Was that bar in uh, Grath or is that was that in the north? No, Tanya actually starts out in Minnesota. Um, okay. Because, yeah, different world. Yeah, it's a totally different, like, it's a parallel universe, like a different universe. Ah, uh, yeah, okay, okay, yeah, so yeah. they're, okay, so Raven. So she would not be um, in the picture here at all. Say that one more time, sorry. So she would not be in the picture here at all. Right. I mean, because this is a little bit of backstory, so this happened earlier than mm -hmm. when Tanya gets pulled into the world, so. Yeah, but most, okay. if we go to the white paper, most of the nobility lives in the capital city. So a couple of the characters you mentioned, like River and Willow, um, Hans, uh, Thistle, they would all be in the capital city. River being the rebellious son of one of the noble families might be a good... Um, a good uh, meetup at some point in this. Um, and then you had said, I think, Thistle and... Um, yep, Hans, Thatcher, Willow. Maybe, maybe at the Academy, maybe she goes to the Academy to try and kind of sneakily find a little bit of information, um, you know, deeper information than just 
the propaganda that magic is bad. Um, uh, and so maybe she's poking around a little at the academy and Professor Thistle could take notice maybe and kind of um, maybe that's where she could uh, get the get the clues of like where this maybe little magic, uh, you know, pro magic group might meet up and talk even if that's just at a cafe and they're kind of like carefully talking a little bit about it without like you know, drawing attention or something and that could lead to her uh you know kind of harry potter moment of like yes obviously you have some magic um so that's a possible kind of road to uh her meeting up with some people that that uh you know aren't uh super anti-magic all right. Dylan asks, are there spies everywhere? Yes, there definitely are spies everywhere. Uh, and one of the things, so the character, um, Elon, he's able to sense magic in others. And that is one of the ways that um, the province is able to keep it under control is some of their spies are able to detect when people are using magic, which makes it even more necessary for people to go underground. Okay, so can detect when magic is used. So yeah, then they would definitely, uh, if they're, you know, if it's uh, kind of thick with spies, and and you do have people that are basically like, you know, guards out there waiting to sense any magic. Uh, I would think that you know, if there is a little kind of rebel um faction growing up that it would be pretty underground it wouldn't be like meeting at the pizza parlor or cafe you know talking about magic uh in in public so i think that yeah having some kind of group that raven can you know find some breadcrumbs to and then meet up with them be learning more about magic and have kind of the revelation that yes she does have a talent um uh, or a, a magical skill. Um, and what was her, did you mention what type of magic it was that she develops? I was thinking that's something that we could develop together. Ooh, very cool. Okay. So I, yeah, I mean, and, and please, you know, everybody, uh, Oh, I was wondering why uh, Dylan was typing instead of adding in, uh, just to the conversation, but he's, he's got some mic issues. Um, which is is fine. If you want to try for a, a Discord reset or something, Dylan, I will keep an eye on bringing you back up. Um, yes, that's a very good point. We need to decide what area of magic she will develop. So where we are now is she's got an inkling that, you know, she's got this interest in magic, even though it's against all the, you know, authority of, of her family and the, the politics of the realm. Uh, she's starting to wonder more about it. She's going to find a little group of people uh, that is, you know, going to lead to the revelation that, yes, she does, in fact, have magic herself. But uh, the style of magic is uh, is kind of up for us to to discover um, and 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 uh, weave in. So, what are some of the different? Um, well, well, Beaver or Ray, will you just kind of do a quick rundown of of what some of the different magic talents uh, are or areas? I guess. Yeah, I can do that. Um, give me one second. I want to get all the names right. Okay, so. This is kind of going in order from most common to least common. So kind of the most common magic are people called naturalists. And this is where you have kind of, you know, your elemental magic, um, which has to do with 
you know, being able to alter your physical elements of nature, um, whether that's plants or water or et cetera. Um, and the next most common is those seekers who are able to sense magic in others. And they often get employed as spies um, who are able to kind of work for the province and take a hold of people who do have magic. Um, on the flip side, there's also people called ciphers who are able to conceal their magic or conceal the magics of others. So they often get employed um, by people who have magic to kind of keep them away from those spies. Um, and there's also healing magic, so people who are healers. Um, the next would be practitioners, which are people who can do some kind of like limited potions, some kind of limited spell work, almost more traditional magic in that sense. Um, but they're certainly not like all powerful and able right. to do anything. Um, then we have artisans who people, they have the ability to draw and sculpt things into actual living beings or cool. to actual life. So that would be like if you were to draw a chair, you could then use your magic to pull wood from nearby trees and it would actually turn into a chair in real life. Um, then you have seers who are people who can communicate with the other world and have some divination abilities. You have deathlings who have life and death magic. They're related to healers, but they're a lot more intense, so they can cause harm as well as healing. And then the rarest one are those rune witches who are able to siphon and steal magic from others. Okay, pretty good uh, little little um, variety of of the different different styles of of magic here. So uh, awesome! I think you know if the naturalists and the and the seekers who are kind of the spies are the most. Um, uh, prolific, maybe we would go a little bit higher than kind of the most standard. Give her a little, a little special sauce. Um, mm -hmm. I believe Sitka has the healing, so maybe not that per se. Um, but maybe she has the skill for you know either being a, a practitioner or an artisan or uh, 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 one of the ciphers which conceals magic. Seems like that's a pretty, um, pretty powerful skill to have in the south but that would also almost make it easier for her um or it could make it you know interesting because maybe she would you know if she discovers she had that type of magic then there'd probably be the people there um in the capital kind of um vying for her to be protecting their circle or something which could lead to some drama that you know sparks her uh heading out you know heading north or something like that um what are y'all's thoughts in the crowd i'm just catching up here um in the chat so yeah i just personally am leaning more towards like um you know, having the, you know, maybe something like the the practitioner or, or artist. And I think that's really awesome uh, to be able to like draw or sculpt something and then basically just pull that, you know, into into the world as a as an item. Now, question on that. If someone sculpted a, I don't know, a, a lizard or a hummingbird, could they bring that actually to life? Yes, but it's tricky because they have to pull the materials from something that exists. So like in the chair example, you know, she could draw a chair and pull wood from like nearby trees or something. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to bring something to life, you would have to pull 
life from something living. So that okay, could... so you'd have to like basically make a sacrifice, a living sacrifice, and then like sacrifice. Interesting. Okay, that's that's cool. Um, what are what are uh, any thoughts on you know choosing the the style of memory here? Um, you know, being able to draw or sculpt something and and pull it to life, uh, obviously using elements in the you know in the in the real world to be able to make those happen. Um, the the practitioners that are able to kind of do um, you know spells and and potions and stuff is a little more broad, maybe. Um, and I could see that that would also take um, probably like more studying of like um kind of the 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 nitty-gritty the specifics because you know if you're doing a spell or making a potion i'm sure that would have to be very exact so it's something with which probably is a little less just like obvious or, or wouldn't come to you as naturally like if you were a, a seeker and you started feeling kind of magic like that is something just kind of internal and natural whereas if you were um i think a practitioner you would have to have more of a um uh you know someone to kind of study under um or a seer i mean if if we went all the way up to a seer and being able to you know basically communicate uh to uh you know the other world and stuff that could lend to some interesting dynamics as well it's a hard choice yeah what do y'all think important of the audience? would make for a fun power for her to have that gets like accidentally discovered, you know, like something that would set it up for a fun scene of where she maybe, maybe a humorous scene where she accidentally realizes she had a power she didn't have. And cause it causes something funny or weird to happen. Like what, what ideas does anyone in the audience have? Join in folks. Let us know what you think. And also feel free to raise your hand. If, if, you know, if you, uh, if you feel like you can express better uh, on the microphone versus trying to type it in the chat, just just raise a hand. I'm going to be uh, looking over to the stage periodically uh, for anybody that wants to jump up with us or just toss it in the chat. We've got, um, you know, being able to sense magic, being able to conceal magic, um, the practitioner that can, you know, do the spells and kind of potions, the artisan. I'm, I keep kind of like leaning more towards the the artisan. Uh, I just think that's so cool to be able to like draw something and like think about like, I mean, I guess in a battle scenario, it would kind of be funny to have to like draw a sword and then like pull it out and like a big stone next to you disappears so you can have the minerals like for that sword and start fighting someone off. But still very cool. And um, I'm trying to think of a way like where maybe um, – that could happen without her fully meaning to do it. Like, um, you know, she could be drawing something and like kind of accidentally pull it out um, or something like that, something small, obviously. Uh, or it could be even when she meets up with this little uh, anticipated meetup of some other magic people, maybe they're kind of trying to suss out what her what her magic is because they, they do think that she has some. Or maybe there's a seeker that actually is like, yeah, I can sense it in you, but not necessarily what type of magic. Um, so there could be kind of a, a comical scene of them trying to figure it out and she's trying to like sense magic or like communicate to other 
their worlds or like try to conceal someone else's magic. And, and finally they get down to, you know, her drawing something and, and being able to pull it to life. If that's the direction we go. Um, potions. I see potions. Just reading a little chat and stuff here. I don't see a lot of people actually throwing down uh, a vote for one type of magic or the other. I see some, uh, definitely some interesting ideas coming in. Um, Portal potions. So that would be, I guess, maybe actually a vote for practitioner. And on a specific power that eventually reveals something about her parents where they have concealed their leadership and affection Sika considers most incongruent oh yeah so seeker is definitely on the table uh to be able to you know sense sense magic and then you know if she was if she was a, a seeker she could almost she would be in a pretty good position um, as a spy, as long as she wasn't, you know, as a, as a double agent, like, a, you know, spying on the capital for the underground magic group, but she would almost have to have a cipher, somebody in that group, you know, concealing her magic, um, I would think. There is an incredible amount of potential here. There's so much that sometimes that makes it even harder to kind of just get rolling. But we're, you know, this is this is um, we're we're kind of pulling pulling up things that are are going to really affect where you know how this little little part of the story goes. So I think it, you know, this we don't need to necessarily rush it. Uh, but I do think that um, you know we want to we want to get her power down and a little bit of the story arc today. Uh, so that next week we have that basis and we can kind of, you know, we can have be thinking about it a little through the week. And then next week, I think we'll be able to kind of really get the ball rolling uh, once we have these specific elements of the story, like what type of magic she has, maybe a couple other characters that she's going to run into uh, and figure out a little bit of 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 kind of how the ball gets rolling. Um, thanks, guys. Love to have you listening along. And, uh, you know, if you do have an idea, just drop it in the chat or jump in. Is there an evil sheriff in the court aligned with the parents? Well, it does seem like the parents are aligned with just the whole uh, capital and being anti-magic. I would imagine all the sheriffs in the South are evil. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Excuse me. So I think we do need to make a decision. How about... We could drop a couple different things in the chat here. Okay, so I'm going to put Seeker and hold off for a sec before um, I'm going to put a couple different things in the chat and then let's have people make a little reaction, you know, like a thumbs up or a party hat or a fire or whatever. And that can be kind of a way to help vote us in. So Seeker, um, Practitioner, the Practitioner does like the spells and stuff. So let me write that in. So we've got Seeker, people like that, Practitioner, does the spells and stuff. And then Artisan, uh, I'll just put like draw something to life as a little descriptive there. Um, Okay, so let's see what gets the most emojis. We've already got a pretty good amount of people going Seeker. That's where you sense magic. Um, 
And Nappy likes the spy premise, her being kind of the inside person for the uh, the revolution or the movement that is, you know, more accepting of, of, of magic and wants to see uh, some kind of reunification between, you know, the magic users of the North and the kind of academic, power-hungry, greedy corporates of the South. <laughs> and again... Invitation is wide open for anybody to come up on stage. It feels a little lonely up here. We we usually have a, have a couple people. Couple people. It's probably because Dylan's having his mic issues. I'm used to having a couple more voices just kind of periodically uh, peppering in on the voice channel. But okay, let me go back and check the chat. Okay, we've got a couple for Artisan, which actually my vote is going for Artisan too. So, but that's three for Artisan, four for pr Practitioner, and four, five, six, seven for Seeker. I think the Seekers have it. What do you What do you think, Beaver? What do you think, Ray? We can go with that if that's what the people want. I think it's says yes. to be a lot of intrigue too, like Dylan was saying, like maybe with the parents having secret magic, and so maybe the discovery is when she's like at home and like starts to sense or feel it. Her Ooh. parents things and but they don't talk about it if Houston I like right it's like they they would probably even have I mean if they're um you know of any important level in like the you know the um uh in the capital, whether that's through, you know, the kind of political side or the academic side with the big academy and stuff, they would probably have a cipher uh concealing their magic. But Maybe she's a pretty strong seeker. And so she starts feeling that. And, you know, of course, they're so anti-magic that she wouldn't want to bring it up to them. But, she, you know, that that piques her interest in wondering why. And like, you know, everything starts kind of unraveling. So I think seeker works. And uh, Dylan was asking, can seekers detect one another? I would think so. Yeah. So her parents all... I guess could have one where they are onto her baby and that's why they want to kill oh. her. She runs away first. I don't know. Interesting. All right, let's do it. Let's lock it in. Uh so I think we have Raven is a seeker. Uh although where we're at now, she doesn't really know that. She's just starting to suspect it. So nice. Okay. So that boom. Big important part decided. Nice work. Okay, so we've got Raven is a developing seeker. Um, she is starting to sense uh, magic, although she's not even really 100% sure exactly what it is. It's just she knows she has this um, kind of new feeling. Um, how? What? What? About what age would Raven be? She would be about 20-ish. Okay. So, you know, not a, not a teen, but still pretty young. Okay. Yeah. So we've got a 20 year old coming into their um, magical powers in the South, which is super anti magic currents included. Uh, but she starts to feel these kind of weird sensations um, and starts second guessing her parents because uh, I think it would be cool to have at least one, if not both, of her parents have some sort of magic that they're super ashamed about, basically self-loathing um, because they want to be powerful and, and popular in the culture in the South. Um, and so, you know, through, through being wealthy, I would assume um, that they have been able to, you know, employ 
a um what are the the magic blockers again the um a cipher so maybe like you know their nanny or you know longtime uh cook or maid or something like would be a cipher that's uh you know concealing their uh magic so that they don't get you know ousted uh something like that could work i think could let's see if the leader of the seeker has a long-standing of her parents could raven be the top understudy of the seeker elders mm, i don't think there's necessarily a known group of seeker elders because everything's so underground but maybe she could find her way there oh they could be a, that that is pretty interesting dylan's suggestion there what if the mom and dad were a closeted cypher seeker combo and that way they're basically covering for each other. And that could have been even how kind of why they decided to, you know, really tie the knot because they could kind of protect each other. And so maybe it's not a marriage, you know, born out of love and, and, and passion, but a marriage for uh, convenience, politics, and, you know, um, like one of those power couples in politics mm-hmm. or whatever. I kind of, I like that. I like that too. Okay, so let's let's use that. I think that's good. So um, let's see. And so, for uh, what the- oh, yeah. Felons was asking too. I mean, I think yeah, there's not necessarily like a elder seeker council per se, but I think in the underground sort of network, there would be some hierarchies and some you know right. Not- so yeah, maybe he's saying it's like that. Once Raven Raven leaves, this will be a little bit longer in the story, but yeah, she then kind of gets in with maybe the top dog seekers and maybe gets trained up by them and maybe finds out that they have some sort of um like yeah, ire with her parents or some maybe there's some backstory and backstabbing between that group and her parents in particular, and now she's kind of more torn between two worlds because maybe they want to try to murder her parents or something. I don't know. Ooh, okay. I like it. This is getting this is getting deep. Uh deep, dark, and interesting. Just the way I like my past the pens. Um, awesome. So we've got uh her power established. We have um some good ideas for a little down the road with some kind of um old relationships maybe through uh with some of the underground magicians uh like a like a older seeker and her parents so i think what we might need is to decide on a another character where um, um kind of uh, someone that's going to drop some of the breadcrumbs for her to find the kind of underground um so I mean I get, I almost want to just start like rolling with the with the story already because we're getting some great ideas here but a little more of the arc I think will help us um you know for for next week really kind of kicking into the to the story mode I think if we keep kind of going on some of the some of the structure and the arc maybe figure out a couple other characters that are coming into play today because don't have a huge amount of time, although I don't eclectic is on at noon today. So we've got we got at least a half an hour and we can probably go a little over. Um, okay, let me look back here at the chat. So let's see. We've got Raven at home. She's starting to sense her parents' uh, magic, and they obviously would be able to uh, I guess it would be the mom 
was the seeker, I believe. Yeah. Uh, her mom is starting to, to realize that crap she did, you know, them both having powers, they would always been worried that she would wind up having magic and, you know, how that would affect the, the, you know, if, if she would be, you know, like them and want to hide her power and, and work against magic, or of course, there's always the chance that she's going to rebel. And that I think is, is, you know, where we're, where we're on the road too, but there's gotta be someone that, uh, can kind of be that link to um, the outside world and the underground kind of magic uh, groups that would be out there and stuff. So uh, earlier in the story, earlier in the, in the show today, I had come up with one idea. I'm trying to remember his name. The um, the professor, um, the Hans, or where she can, might go to the academy to try and maybe, you know, just check out some books from the um, library or something, you know, maybe or maybe not even check out books, but uh, to be like going to the academy and and maybe going to the library and just kind of studying up on, uh, you know, magic in the in the South or some crackdown that happened recently um, or, you know, back in history. But she's trying to find, you know, where she can get more real information that's not just propaganda. Um, which would probably be all over the place, you know, a lot of anti-magic stuff in the South. So what if she has a falling out with her parents where they don't actually come out? She doesn't like, you know, she doesn't know her own parallels well enough to probably accuse them of having magic, but she's got that sense. And they also, uh, you know, know that she's starting to come into her magic and, and they, you know, because of the mom being a seeker, she can feel uh, that, that Raven does have some magic. And so, you know, definitely some, um, some angst at home. There could be a scene there where maybe it's not out in the open, but with the undertones, there could be kind of a, a big fight or something and she could storm out. Maybe she goes to uh, the academy and uh could meet up with oh i think it was professor thistle oh yeah there's a professor thistle let's see so maybe he would notice her and uh you know drop some kind of um um kind of vague clue that then she winds up you know deciphering and being able to kind of make the next step in the journey to linking up with some underground magic practitioners what is what is y'all what do y'all think about that mm-hmm. Yeah, we could do that. Or we could invent a, a brand new character, too. We don't have to, you know, stay limited to the ones that are, um, you know, already created. I think, I mean, Professor Thistle is more a professor of healing arts, uh, but obviously, you know, still could provide general advice on magic. Or maybe there's a different professor that is a seeker, has more more knowledge of that side of things that, that she wants it to. with the magic world. Yeah. yeah. Or <laughs> even a, a group of students or something. Yeah. yeah. Let's see. I, I kind of like coming up with, you know, uh, uh, a couple people that are maybe her age. Um, you know, maybe she goes to the academy and is and is generally like not had the highest uh, regard for the people at the academy. Um, I don't know if she's enrolled or, or not. Um, but going there to, you know, get, dig up some information. Maybe she spots some people that are kind of outcasts. Uh, you know, like the kind of punk kids or whatever. Um, and with her very early buddings of seekerism, maybe 
he senses something about them and so you know winds up approaching them or something and that could lead to uh you know them being probably pretty um suspicious at first but that could lead to you know friendship starting there and they could kind of bring her into the underground and maybe there's a professor there too that is you know connected to the underground maybe they they even introduce her to a, a, a professor whether that's thistle or a you know maybe a, a younger like teacher assistant or something like that um do we know who raven's parents are um not their names yet we haven't gotten that but i think we know uh you know we we just have their uh, a little bit of background uh that they are you know obviously anti-magic even though they have some magic uh, that has now been developed here um he likes the professor stealthiness um, or wealthy patron of the school. Maybe she goes to a punk show and has a goofy altercation with someone who looks intimidating but has a heart of gold. Oh, is there, yeah, maybe some sort of public event like a concert or something could be uh, an interesting place to sort of um, spice up the, the mix of, of uh, you know, finding people that, that have magic as she's starting to kind of sense it a little bit but doesn't really understand it. Uh, she starts getting drawn towards people that uh, are in the underground. I think Raven would totally go to a punk show. <laughs> cool. What if so? So what about this? What if she goes to the academy, to the library to do some research, um, kind of undercover, but she's trying to look for any any clues she can find, like, you know, real information about magic. Um, she winds up having kind of a sensation about a couple kids there that are kind of like, you know, more of that, that, that outcast, um, vibe and, and style. <clears throat> they invite her to the punk like show or the concert. And then that's where they kind of like maybe have the, the really intimidating person, uh, that they have, that maybe has a little confrontation, uh, but then winds up being, you know, they wind up being friends and, and she gets accepted by their kind of clique. And that's that's where she gets introduced to to the underground. Seems to kind of roll. Yeah, I like that. <clears throat> OK, we're starting to get starting to get some of the uh, some of the 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 scenes here are starting to form up. So I, I like that. I think it works fairly well. Um, all right. So <clears throat> we've got Raven starting to sense her powers. Parents are also sensing that she's coming into having powers. Uh, altercation there. She storms off, doesn't really know what to do, but she needs, she's got this like strong feeling that, that she's got to find out more about magic. She goes to the academy to do some, some research, uh, meets the outcasts. They kind of skeptically invite her to this punk show. Uh, she goes... And that's where she meets the the big scary looking dude who's really intimidating and maybe even starts off really kind of grilling her and stuff, kind of kind of pushing her, testing her to the limit. But uh, in the end, they wind up, you know, uh, accepting her. And that could lead to uh, kind of the next part where she meets some of the underground and basically, um, you know, uh, finds out that, yes, basically the power that she has is the seeker and that like that's, you know, valuable for them because it can, uh, you know, help kind of she can kind of be that that uh, double agent, so to speak. Um, and then who knows where it might go from there outcast punk show i think it's a good start 
I'm kind of curious to where we like who's going to be the antagonist for this. Do her parents take the role of antagonist if they end up being like truly evil and um, or maybe I'm not going to get in the sense that her parents are truly evil, but maybe that's where the rune witch comes in. Maybe um, maybe interspersed throughout the story. There's this mysterious character that seems to be onto her or something. And then somewhere maybe more near the end, there's a, a bigger sort of conflict or battle or I don't know, some sort of attempted murder or something where. Uh, the rune witch tries to siphon her magic. Maybe her parents hire a rune witch Ooh, to, yes. to take away her magic. Ooh, what if that's that's exactly where my mind started going when you were like halfway through uh, your you know the, those those couple of sentences there. Exactly where my mind went was like, ooh, what if her parents hire the rune witch? Uh, the, you know, and they're not they're not hiring the rune witch to like necessarily be an assassin, uh, but you know, they're so caught up in their own political strivings and stuff that they're like, oh, well, the easiest way to fix the problem is just if she didn't have magic. So we'll get a rune witch to, to kind of shadow her. And, you know, at the you know opportune time, once her powers are developed enough for something to siphon them off. Um, but the rune witch is super shady, like murderous bad bad person and is gonna take it like really far and doesn't really you know no regard for whether she lives or dies as long as her magic doesn't get found out and and like go public and ruin their family's you know uh, reputation and status so i like that that the the parents not like the the main baddie but they kind of uh you know are 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 dark enough to kind of unwittingly instigate uh you know her her actual possible like death and and demise um i think that's a good good uh i think that's a good a good route and i had from the beginning i was like yes definitely rune witch should there should be a rune witch somehow involved so i like that and then you know you can have her kind of being shadowed, um, but but there could also be a cipher in the underground. So the rune witch is having a hard time, uh, but yeah, and you know a little little farther down the line, that could be kind of the the big um, you know kind of action uh, where there is like kind of magic battle going down between the rune witch and maybe a couple thugs that she works with and the underground and Raven that yeah okay just reading a little bit in the chat here don't saying i'm feeling like they're either political facebook zombie type people under the control of the rune witch or oh and maybe maybe the rune witch winds up really taking advantage of the situation and yeah kind of like um having the having the dirt on them also uh, the rune witch could really take advantage of the parents, and they're going to wind up regretting that um, that move. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't think a rune witch is someone you mess with lately. Right? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I don't think you really want to deal with a rune witch uh, unless it's like the only option. But uh, even then, might not be the right choice. Um, yeah. So I like this. We've got a. We've got a, a pretty powerful and, and pretty dark rune witch coming into this. Um, and so maybe after, uh, you know, after the big fight and Raven takes off to, um, to the academy, uh, kind of a, a side 
part of the story that would be happening kind of simultaneously would be her parents, uh, you know, kind of deciding, you know, what are we going to do about her? And then, you know, they make that fatal decision of uh, hiring the rune witch, which probably leads to their own demise. Um, and, you know, luckily Raven will have some support and be strong enough to, you know, uh, get through it. But, you know, who knows if it all blows up public and that winds up coming, you know, out in the South that the whole time they were this like magic family and, and, you know, Rune is exposed and she has to bail to the North and, you know, maybe winds up going through a portal or, you know, there's a lot that can, can, uh, can happen here, but I like where it's going. And yes, in the live chat, uh, if you have the POP from yesterday's Cypher, you're going to want to go uh, click on the, the POP.fun raffle link. And uh, I think you just scroll down and basically hit enter, make, uh, you know, sign in with your wallet. And then the POP site sees that you hold that specific POP and you get entered. Back to the story. And again, if anybody wants to jump up on stage with us, total open invitation. Feel like we have been been making some some good progress with the uh, story arc. So now we've got our antagonist, um, and in which the parents are sort of in in that um, um, on that side of things, but not necessarily the the, the main uh, antagonist. So we've got a rune witch. She's going to wind up. Um, you know, shadowing uh, Raven, although I guess not until a little later. So the the parents would have, you know, after the big argument, they kind of have some sort of dialogue and decide to to contact Arun, which um, I assume that that would be through, you know, fairly slow methods. So maybe by the time she's at the concert, that night or whether it's the next night or whatever uh the rune witch is sort of like starting to get on the on the task and might uh might show up at that concert and um you know could could be a little bit of kind of foreshadowing there that 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 gets uh worked in and then boom there they're basically you know they uh they lose the rune witch and uh you know get together in their wherever their little underground club is <clears throat> and start, you know, really giving giving Raven some some more information, and she really figures out what's going on, and that she's definitely a seeker, and that her parents are definitely a seeker and a cipher, and that there's this underground community, you know, with healers and practitioners, and <clears throat> kind of the whole shebang. Um, maybe they have, uh, you know, some type of of planned uh, rebellious event. Um, and they need her to kind of seek out some, um, you know, basically like bring her on a couple missions or her first kind of, uh, rebel missions to go and seek out some certain, you know, um, magical people, uh, connected to the Academy or something like that so that they can, uh, you know, not get caught pulling off whatever type of, uh, maybe like, uh, quote-unquote revolutionary actions uh whether that's like a, a big vandalism of something uh that is you know uh meaningful for the the south um or you know some some type of uh protesting um 
And so that could kind of add to some of what's going on in the underground. Um, and so she gets really just sucked into the the whole movement. Um, but little, little does she know she's got uh, uh, a freaking um, rune witch on her tail. I like that. Yeah. Or maybe even because, you know, um, the magic people are so hunted in the province. Maybe the group tries to like break people out of jail who have been. I like the jailbreak. That's that, that is, uh, that is fun and exciting. I think that would be an awesome mission. Yeah. And maybe it's like, she gets thrown into it fairly short notice because she's so good. Like maybe like she's probably hesitant at first i'm like well i'm not experienced but maybe everyone's like um you're like the best seeker we have like you're like actually really good at this like we kind of need the best for this jailbreak mission because it's really important and then it's kind of like the stakes are high and she's still kind of new nice i like it yeah and her being like top class seeker um you know it, it makes sense coming from uh you know both her parents having magic and one of them also being a seeker and the fact that she was able to you know kind of unknowingly um seek out their group like through the people that she met at the school and the you know the the other people that she kind of meets at the conference uh, at the concert like she's really starting to quickly develop this sense even though she didn't quite know how to place it um, so she can then sort of come to the realization uh, that like, you know, she's like super seeker and yeah, okay, uh, I'll go on the mission, even though I'm, I'm, you know, I feel super inexperienced and, and there can be some pretty cool, crazy mayhem, I think, in a jailbreak. And maybe the, um, the rune witch, uh, you know, could uh, basically get like super, super pissed that, um they that she doesn't get to raven uh before this jailbreak like the jailbreak could be something that really just you know goes viral catches fire is like super crazy in you know the news of the south like there hasn't been a a, a you know, like magic uh quote unquote attack or jailbreak or anything like that in a long long time and so then all of a sudden it's like okay you know hype the the um um uh, you know, like put in put into overdrive the um, public hatred against magic and propaganda and stuff. And so it's going to get really sketchy right after that because everyone's out hunting uh, basically for them. Um, and the rune witch can just be super pissed that, you know, on her watch, this happened. Basically, she had she had been hired to take care of Raven uh, and, you know, siphon off her magic before anything can happen. But because she's got the help of this underground crew, she didn't, you know, wasn't quite aware that there was that much of an underground support system. And so that's what what pushes the rune witch over the edge and, you know, gets her to basically be like, I'm going to, you know, siphon this girl to death. And, you know, also kind of uh, um, a lot of backlash on the parents, where then she starts blackmailing them and like, you know, really just taking them to task. Epic POAP, by the way. Yeah, I love it. I already claimed mine. I'm claiming mine right now. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Carolina. Duh. So I think this is uh this is coming together pretty nicely actually. We've got some um some great ideas. I guess uh maybe we could try and develop a little bit of the characters that are these kind of outcast punks that she meets at first and like 
the big scary dude uh, that's really like a sweetheart, but um, you know has the um, kind of the facade of being like this really gnarly, strong, scary looking magic guy. Yeah, for sure. I'm going just going back and thinking. I love the idea of the jailbreak causing things to heat up because, like, when um, the Sitka, the first book starts, things are really starting to heat up, and there's a lot more anger happening um, about magic. So maybe this is one of the tipping events. Ooh, that works nicely. This helps that notion then the larger events that lead to the the real trilogy yeah. stories. You're saying, hmm. awesome. Love it when things just kind of fall into place like that. And uh, we can have like, a, um, you know, a really nice lead in as this being part of the early, uh, you know, um, kind of character development and stuff that, that adds uh, some, you know, little, little context for the, the, the main big part of the first story. Cool. Love, love the jailbreak. Uh, like, uh, really love that that ties in with everything uh, and kind of the, um, the, 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 the fire being turned up uh, in the South against, against magic. Um, so maybe by, you know, at, you know, by the time they've, they've done this mission, uh, the jailbreak is successful um, you know, maybe they do lose someone or, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty hectic mission, um, but in the end is successful. And that sort of sparks both, um, you know, more, um, more engagement and excitement in the underground, but also kind of, you know, strikes some fear into them because it also fires up so much the opposition uh, and kind of unites the South in this, uh, you know, witch hunt, so to speak. Um, maybe after that, because things are heating up so much and that Raven has uh, turned out to be like such a powerful seeker, maybe uh, the underground, you know, wants to basically get her out into the North, especially after what happens with the Rune Witch, um, which can be like a, a pretty deadly battle um, that she just, you know, escapes by the by the skin of her teeth from. And so maybe kind of uh, in the, the kind of uh, wrap up can be her maybe escaping to the North and either meeting somebody that's important in uh, the first part of the main story or, you know, uh, finding a portal or hearing of and looking for, and that can kind of be left a little more open-ended. Um, but I think that could be a cool way to sort of uh, tie things up after the, the, the big climax with the Rune Witch battle. Yeah, we're thinking the Rune Witch battle would be even like part of the jailbreak scene mixed in as a separate scene. What do people think? Good question. Because the Rune Witch would kind of be on their tail. Um, so, yeah, I kind of think there's there's two ways to, to play that. Have the Rune Witch um, basically show up at the jailbreak and that also be part of the main climax. Um, and, you know, maybe, uh, you know, the good guys lose a few people. The, uh, you know, obviously there's probably some guards that go down and whatnot. Um, but the Rune Witch could be, uh, you know, the, the, um, the wrench in the, in the spoke, so to speak, of the jailbreak, although they are still successful. 
Um, and maybe that's why the rune witch then is is so pissed off and and basically you know takes it out on the parents and and really kind of ruins their lives and enslaves them or something. Uh, meanwhile, after the jailbreak and the encounter with the rune witch, which was so hectic, they decide they need to get Raven out of the south. And kind of that could either, you know, somewhat be the end of this part or, you know, there could be a little adventure of getting out of the city and heading north to try and find this, you know, like, um, um, mystery story of a possible like magical portal or something like that. I think mixing it in with the jailbreak would make it a pretty exciting, crazy, wild um, kind of climax and part of that story. So I hadn't thought of having those together, but I think that that could uh, could definitely work. Yeah, definitely. I think any good kind of like heist or jailbreak story, like the original plan has to go wrong. Totally. Oh, what happened? Yeah. Nice. Cool. I think we're, I think we're getting there. What do you guys, uh, any, 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 um, you know, feedback from, uh, from the crowd here on, uh, taking the, the jailbreak, having it go horribly wrong at some point in the rune, witch, you know, um, foiling their plans, but they still pull it off. Um, but probably with some, you know, semi heavy losses, um, and then because of, you know, everything heating up so much and, and, and those losses, uh, maybe we, we kind of uh, wind it down with, with sneaking Raven out of town. Agreed. The jailbreak absolutely has to go at least semi-wrong. Portal potion. Oh, there it is. I'm headed hooligan. I, I see it. There, uh, that had come up very early at the beginning of the show too. He had, he had thrown out some portal potion stuff. Um, maybe that's like, um, what, you know, maybe after the, the jailbreak and the, and the, and the rune witch and everything goes down and things are just crazy. Like maybe there's a, a very old kind of myth about, um, a, a magician, a, um, what would it be, I think a practitioner in the North that uh is is said to to have knowledge of a um of a portal potion that can actually bring you to like another world and that could be like what raven like sets out if that's going to be her like kind of next mission pretty good stuff well it's just noon on the nose um usually we run till 12 um as Eclectic Method often has a set coming on. I don't think he's uh, coming on today. He's been on a little bit of a, of a break, a little bit of a vacation. Um, but I think we're at a pretty good point for um, kind of having uh, the bones laid out for this. Um, we do, you know, we, would, we do kind of need to develop a, a couple of the characters, um, kind of the, the punk outcast crew. Uh, if anybody either wants to throw some ideas out now, we definitely encourage, you know, if you have an idea pop up in your head later today or tomorrow or anything, uh, you know, jot it down or, or uh, you know, throw it in a digital note. And uh, keep that for next week or head over to uh, the PageDAO Discord. Uh, let me grab a link for that just because everybody should have it. Just in case somebody's not over there, I will drop the PageDAO uh, Discord link here in the chat. 
ideas about the scary guy with the heart of gold? Okay. Um, I imagine big, like, you know, big brawny guy, tall, thick shoulders, um, you know, just like somebody you would not at all want to mess with. Um, and if he's in kind of with the punk crowd, maybe fairly, you know, um, you know, dressed in a way that is uh, suggests, you know, like a, a hard rebellious edge. Although I would assume people have to be kind of careful in not being too like out there or you would then attract too much attention on yourself as being a possible like magic supporter because you're not, you know, in line with the with the standard um um, you know, kind of not dress code, but you know, you, you wouldn't want to stand out too much. But I think definitely, you know, having a having a look. Maybe he's got some, uh, like I don't know, spiky hair or, or something that's just gonna be like intimidating. I think mm -hmm. he should he should have kind of intimidation written across uh, his whole kind of being. Um, or maybe they you know, have like secret tattoos or something in the group. Ooh. Some way to like identify each other if you know what you're looking for. Right, right. Tattoos. I'm writing that one down too. Um, Metal Mohawk. Nice. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, Dylan, uh, I know that I believe it was you that had thrown out the idea for this big, uh, scary guy with the heart of gold. If you want to jot down, if you had any kind of visuals in, in your head. Um, and we could also try and come up with, you know, a, a name for him or something. Um, let's see. Big, nice guy that puts on a scary act. And definitely, I think, would be um, not so nice if you were, you know, coming against some of his friends, um, which we will, I think, see um, demonstrated during the jailbreak. I'm trying to think of a good name. I mean, just go like super obvious and call him like Goliath or something <laughs> or go the opposite and call him David or call him like bear or something. Cause he's big as a bear and sweet as a teddy bear, but not oh, yeah. many people know that. Are you the grizzly bear or the teddy bear today? Right. Okay. Bear is a possibility. Um, let's see. Maybe he looks straight AF David or Michael is a strong name. Definitely both strong names. Thanks for joining us, felons. Teddy. <laughs> and we did drop the, uh, our links in the event links channel. So, um, Great. yeah, definitely be sure to follow us on Twitter. Join us if you want to hang out here. And we'll be back next week and at least three weeks doing past the pen. Yep. So. Yep. We got the, we got the next, next three weeks on lock. Um, and then we'll see where we are at the story. We might do a week interlude um, as Sitka team has a has a week off, uh, uh, I guess, four weeks from now or three weeks from now. Um, but I think we'll be able to I think uh, I think we got some great, you know, kind of structure down today. Uh, some really fun ideas that are going to be uh, a blast to really fill out. Or fill in. Um, so I think next week is going to be a really fun one. We had kind of a smaller, 
we, we had been off for the last like three or four weeks. So I think we'll, we'll try and keep the, you know, the tweets active and going and just get the word out that, you know, we are back up and running here at past the pen. And this is uh, a, a really fun story to be able to be a part of. So uh, I think that uh, next week we'll also probably have a couple more people on stage with us. Um, and yeah, I'm okay. I'm writing down names. We got bear Teddy. Um, I think it was Michael or David. Um, okay. So I've got a couple names written down here in my notes. Uh, I guess we don't, you know, have to decide that right now. I'm glad that we have a couple ideas out. Grizzly. I'm going to write down Grizzly too. Um, and then we, we do also have the other, um, you know, a couple of friends that, that I guess she'll meet, um, at, at the Academy and they're the ones that like kind of invite her to the punk show to, you know, to test her metal. Um, so that could be maybe kind of like a, a couple or something, a guy and a girl, uh, that, you know, she senses something about them. Um, either one or both of them will have magic and they're both in this kind of underground circle. Um, so what, any thoughts there on whether that would be maybe a, a, a boyfriend, girlfriend, or just a couple, of you know, a trio of, of just friends, a couple dudes and a, and a girl or a couple girls and a dude. Um, if anybody has any feedback about that, definitely, you know, let it be known. And I think we're about time to wrap it up for today. I'm just going to make notes for. Uh, either the you know the couple or the the little group of friends she finds at the academy, because we've got a couple of a couple of characters there to uh, give names to and develop a little bit of their kind of look and vibe. Awesome! Thank you so much, uh, Beaver um, and and Ray for coming and and joining us and sharing uh, you know what you guys have are been creating for over a decade, which is so awesome. Um, I think we're going to have a really fun next couple of weeks coming, you know, really getting into the, the gritty of the, um, of the creativity with, with really, really forming up this story. Yeah. Excited for this punk jailbreak. Totally. <laughs> punk jailbreak with magical, you know, factions. This is, this is going to be a good one. Um, I guess that's, uh, I guess we'll call it for today. A um, little bit of, you know, a little bit of homework for anybody that wants to is, uh, you know, think up maybe characters for some of the other um, magic underground crew. Um, or if, you know, you get inspired and you're like, oh, I have a great name for like the, you know, the jail warden and some, some background there, any of that stuff, we love it. So, you know, if you come uh, next week and you, uh, you drop a little paragraph or something in the chat, um, from an idea that gets sparked between now and then, uh, definitely look forward to, to seeing anything like that. And, um, let's see, we have here in token smart at 5 PM Pacific, 8 Eastern, uh, public school tonight. So that'll be a great show. In fact, uh, me and Kane did our first, um, Twitter spaces show through NFT live in Lad city last night. Uh, it's, uh, kind of rebranded from, from what was easy street for the last year and a half is now speakeasy with Kane and easy. And we had the most ridiculous show. I literally like had 
like pain in my ribs and stomach from laughing so hard, crying. Uh, but yeah, Kane, Kane has a couple great guests tonight. Um, Rob Ness and I forget the name of the other guy, but really interesting project. So hope to see you all there later. Um, much love, peace, love, and whippy. Thanks, everyone. This is super, super fun. Looking forward to next week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. All right. Have a great rest of the day and great weekend. I'm looking forward to next week, too. This was really fun. All right. Thanks for hosting. Take care. Yep. See you soon. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Paige Dow's Pass the Pen, recorded on Friday, July 29th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Sipping on a little bit of sin I've been giving Try to keep it written down So it feels like I've been living I've been realizing a minute Reality ain't got limits Going out my fucking mind Testing out the physics Stretching out the distance For instance Let me be specific The risk is hedge funding the business Betting on the difference Ingesting all the research Sleeping through the rebirth Sliding out feet first Sleep tight little dreamer Early to bed Early to rise With a rugged ass demeanor Taking beats to the cleaners You know I love my t-shirts And the people who support my little dream here Transparent cows, I gotta steer clear 2020 going down is one fucking weird year Take a second, look around, the psyops is winning Set the table, we just biopsy dinner Now, I'm gonna react to that and act like I'm telling you a personal anecdote Something to break the tension Something to endear myself a little bit Something kind of uh, embarrassing <laughs> And you guys are gonna make an awe sound it's true. It really happened. They got a tracker in the phone, tracking everywhere we go. When it's final, I don't know. I already sold my soul. Getting ready, rock and roll. Tip the first domino. Feeling abominable with these avalanche flows. Stop and rest on the road. Gotta get where I'm going. And the rest of y'all know that we hit the ground sore. And I'll be coming for the fuckers that be summoning the trouble. Running on the double while I'm handing out the W's. Putting wins on the board every fucking day. They love me on the team because I know my fucking place. Better get in where you fit in, I'm delivering the meaning I inherited the demons, always sneaky, never seen them If I'm breathing, I'm reading, I'm not even being conceited I need to see for myself if you think that I'm believing It's the season of reason, y'all be seizing the research I'm receiving the meaning, that shit's called teamwork It's not so much, as so little, as to do with what everything is But it is within our self-interest to understand the topography of our lives unto ourselves the future states that there is no time other than the collapsation of that sensation of the mirror of the memories in which we are living. Common knowledge, but important nonetheless. Terrorist spaces.